Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday again. Happy Wednesday again. I hope you caught our very special early edition of Fearless today, where we talked about Deshaun Watson and Draymond Green choking out Rudy Gobert. We had a sports edition of Fearless that we released a couple of hours ago. Uh, Hope you caught that, or I hope you will catch that. Uh, But you definitely need to catch our regularly scheduled episode of Fearless because it's going to be great and awesome. It's going to be a continuation of the conversation we started yesterday about the battle of the sexes and the feud, the conflict, the the patriarchy versus matriarchy. I told you we're going to linger on this topic because it's very important and it's centrally connected uh, to this show. But today I'm going to invite in some of our contributors to that conversation. Yesterday, it was just me. Today, we're going to have Shamika. We're going to have Delano. We're going to have Anthony and Virgil. We're going to broaden, widen the conversation. I got a great fire starter for you talking about uh, Kim Kardashian being named Man of the Year. But before I get to any of that, I want you all to get to pounding that like button if you're watching over YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing and hitting the notifications because we are up against it right now. This show is under attack. And that's why, again, I I know you guys maybe get tired of hearing me say it and ask for it, but it is crucial that you hit the likes, that you engage with the content, that you leave comments, that you share this, make sure your notifications are turned on. And it's really crucial that over Apple, You give us that five-star rating. Just hit the five-star deal. Take 30 seconds, take 20 seconds to find that five-star rating and give it to us. We've been spammed the other direction. And please take the 60 seconds, two minutes it takes, to write a little comment and leave a review on the show. This stuff is critical for the growth of this show. We are under attack because we are over the target in a major way and conversations like the one I'm about to have with you all and about to have with Shamika and Delano and Anthony and Virgil are why we're under attack. There are things we're not supposed to talk about. There are things you're not supposed to realize and be awakened to that this show is dedicated to awakening your mind to what's really going on. So before I get to the fire starter, I wanna thank and, and tell you guys about one of our great sponsors, Patriot Mobile. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only ones. The Patriot Mobile team has been great supporters of this show, which is why I am proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the security, the sanctity of life, 
the Second Amendment and our military veterans and first responders. Patriot Mobile's 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your phone, keep your phone number. Just go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. Get the same dependable service and take a stand for your values. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or 972-PATRIOT. Let's start a fire and then we'll bring Shamika in here to fan the flames. Uh, popular culture is mocking men into submission. GQ Magazine naming supermodel Kim Kardashian as one of its men of the year is just the latest example of the relentless strategy to ridicule men and uproot the patriarchy. Okay, go ahead. Shrug your shoulders, roll your eyes, blow it off, chalk it up as another harmless troll job. Yeah, that's all it is. Anyone offended by Gentleman Quarterly splashing a curvy sex trollop across his cover is just an old man shouting at the clouds. That's, that's what I am. I'm just an old man shouting at the clouds. Yeah, just grin and move on. That's the manly thing to do. That's what men have been doing for the last 50 years as we surrender more and more ground in the battle of the sexes. We're greatly underestimating our opponent. It's Satan. It's the rejection of biblical order and man's responsibility to lead. Pop culture quit making heroes of men 30 years ago. Hollywood pivoted to anti-heroes. Tony Soprano, a crude and barbaric mob boss, replaced Batman. Lester Burnham, a creepy father with a crush on a teenage American beauty, replaced Heathcliff Huxtable. Men became the bad guys. Now we're a joke. DQ scanned the globe and came up with three selectees for Man of the Year. Kim Kardashian, Jacob Eldori, and Travis Scott. Kardashian, of course, is a woman. Elordi is an actor who plays a closeted gay man on the HBO drama Euphoria. Travis Scott is a rapper slinger who puts on devil-worshipping themed concerts. When a whore, a beta, and a Satanist are the top candidates for men of the year, it's clear men have hit rock bottom. It's equally clear that controllers of the zeitgeist are in the final stages of ending the patriarchy. Men are laughing stocks, too weak to offer any real pushback. The culture depicts white men as buffoons and bigots and black men as effeminate and immoral. Marvel churns out bad superhero movies featuring women. Every television show features a woman or a gay person as the most courageous, ethical, and smartest person in the room. A chubby, 50-year-old gay rapper, Queen Latifah, jumps off balconies and thwarts the bad guys every Sunday night on The Equalizer. This stuff isn't harmless. It's brainwashing intended to produce the feminist cult and distort biblical truth. It's orchestrated confusion. It baits women into acting like men and men into acting like women. Leaders now want to be led. Men emote. We wear, show, and surrender to our emotions at the first sign of adversity. 
We reject the responsibility of morality and righteousness. We consider immorality, particularly sexual immorality, a form of masculinity. Women have followed us into the abyss. Their seizing of authority is a reflection of our weakness. They're winning. They've convinced themselves and a large portion of the next generation that women are better men than men and men are better women than women. If Bruce Jenner can be the most courageous athlete 40 years after his athletic career ended, why can't Kim Kardashian be man of the year? Why can't Michelle Obama be president? That's my fire starter. I didn't want to go overboard today because I, I went overboard yesterday and I, I went on for a long time. And I, again, today is about bringing in uh, our contributors and opening up the conversation. And maybe there'll be some disagreement. Maybe there'll be, maybe people think I'm, I'm making too much of this, but, but I, I really don't think that I am. I, I, I think that when I think about this show and when I think about what time we're in and I think about why this show is under an extreme attack right now and people are trying to shut us down and trying to uh, stop this show from growing. It's because of conversations that we had yesterday, conversations we're having today. It's all connected to the racial discussion that they're trying to force on us to distract us from this battle of the sexes, from this battle between the patriarchy and the matriarchy, and everybody's belief and feeling and the pervasive thought that if, if America and the world would just become more feminine, just surrender more to the matriarchy, oh, what a great, this would be heaven. Men have ruined everything. Shamika Michelle, uh, welcome into the show. Uh, we'll, I'll start with a softball or easy, just a reaction to Kim Kardashian, man of the year, according to uh, Gentleman's Quarterly magazine. Uh, I just, this is, they're just mocking us at this point and claiming victory. Your thoughts on Kim Kardashian as tycoon man of the year. <laughs> yeah, Jason, I'm not surprised that she would even be willing to go along with such foolishness, especially since her father has been woman of the year. It's really silly. And I'm tired of the propaganda. I was listening to Ayala Van Zant on uh, Tamron Hall. They had a clip out and she made the statement, God, in her infinite wisdom. And I stopped the video right there because I'm tired of it. No matter what she had to say or how eloquently she spoke after that, nothing mattered because it showed me that she is also being one of the tools to push this, this silly agenda that men aren't you know, who they're supposed to be. And so a lot of us revere her in the black community, but I've always kind of seen her as a pawn. Recently, she's been acting as if she's an advocate for men, especially black men. But I remember, uh, you know, years ago when she came against Shahrazad Ali and what Shahrazad was pushing as far as the black family. 
So we have to really start shutting these people down because and listen very carefully to what they're saying. And you're absolutely right. Your mono is right on point that they have made men to look like a joke, to look like just sperm banks. You know, they'll have babies with these men, but won't let men lead them. They will get in bed with these men, but men can't tell them what to do. And you see so many women who will submit to their boss, but not to their husband. And so, yes, we have really diminished the role of men. We've gotten far, far away from the biblical aspect of who a man is supposed to be. And we can really see the repercussions of that in society. Anyone who acts like they can't see it is just dumb. So yesterday I spent a lot of time uh, explaining, in my view, that the entire racial discussion and, and the rigging of a racial feud is, is to distract people from like, no, what's really going on here is a battle of the sexes, that, that the real conflict is between the patriarchy and the matriarchy, and all this fussing over Karens and over, did this person uh, address me properly or with enough respect, and all these little silly microaggressions that allegedly point to how racist America is, it's all like an agreed upon lie that everyone has, hey, we're gonna talk about this while avoiding talking about the real issue. Y your thoughts on what I tried to unpack and explain yesterday. I agree it's just a distraction, Jason, because we're so Mickey Mouse trite that we just can be pulled in any direction as long as it has something to do with race. And so you yesterday you hit a point where you were you were talking about how everyone can't handle McDonald's. Some people can do well with it, others can't. And what really frustrates me about the black community is that we fail to actually grasp that point that everybody is not able to handle what we're, you know, what's being pushed out now. And we really do need to focus on the gender because we can see they're putting some prominent people in front of us to take on this them, the, they. I saw Marlon Wayans coming out saying that he supports his child because he kept calling the child them and they. I have no idea if it's a girl trying to be a boy or a boy trying to be a girl, but these are people that we grew up with that we love. And, you know, when you made that statement about McDonald's, I was really shouting like, yes, because it frustrates me when some black idiot will get online and say, but didn't you used to be a stripper? What does that matter? I have three daughters. I've never once told them to shake what their mama gave them. And people don't like this type of real conversation, but my 20 year old has tits and ass for days. If I needed to pay a bill, I could push them out there to do that. 
But just because I made it doesn't mean my daughters would have the same faith. And so when we sit on this show and we try to tell people the right way to go, it doesn't matter what we've done in the past because they may not make it. They may not be able to handle McDonald's. So when you went off yesterday, that was one of my favorite shows because it was so on point and it was so accurate. And we as a, a community, as a people, regardless of color, need to stop kidding ourselves that these kids can handle what we did because we just don't know and we can see that it's not working out so well for them. So yesterday I felt like you were just right on point. So this this Kim Kardashian thing, I, I think about your daughters and their peers and and I think about Travis Scott, you know, clearly devil worshiping at, at his concerts. And you know that thing that happened in Astral World, and all the death, and 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 the the lack of genuine remorse for any of that from Travis Scott. And then I think about this Jacob L. Ordy guy that is, uh, uh, you know, his claim to fame is playing this closeted gay dude in the HBO show Euphoria. And then Kim Kardashian. Th those are the three candidates, or the three people. GQ designates as man of the year, a woman, a devil worshiper, and a beta. And, and I'm like, wow, what are they saying to young people about how far and how low our standards for men have become? That a woman with more curves than just about any woman that's ever walked the face of the earth, she's a better man than all the other men and a beta, and a devil worshiper. It's like, it, it, it's only the bad people are being celebrated in this modern popular culture. There's, it, it, and I just think about your kids and, and the idols and, and the role models and the influencers that are being pushed in front of them. It just, it scares me. And, and I think this is just, it's more serious and, and, and more detrimental than people want to give this credit for. This is just not stuff we should be laughing off. We shouldn't be laughing it off. And when I think about my kids, I'm grateful that they have a mom that sees what's going on. I'm grateful that they have a father that gets out to work every day. He's not living that lifestyle. They've never seen him puff on a blunt or, you know, they haven't seen that. But some of these kids, the problem is the adults that's around them worship these people like Kim Kardashian and Travis Scott. And so not only do they see this when they look at TV or they listen to the radio, they see this in their own homes. These adults who have no idea who they are, who have no type of faith, no type of aspiration to do anything better in life. So they're getting hit on all sides. And so we shouldn't, you know, laugh it off because it's so serious. These kids are inundated with BS every single day. And the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. So if all you hear all day is negativity, if all you hear all day is satanic foolishness and messaging, that's what you're going to regurgitate. 
because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If that's all that's being poured into these children, we should not be surprised when they begin to regurgitate and just throw up BS because that's all they're being fed. And so it's really sad that we have so many people that fail to see the bigger picture. I could easily say, well, it's not my kids because my children are doing well. I know for sure I am my daughter's greatest uh, idol, mentor, you know, inspiration when it comes to a woman. And so I could easily just say, well, it's not my kids. Who cares? But when I look at the big picture, my kids have to be raised with these other kids who are having birthday parties, holding up guns, holding up stacks of money. These are the people that are going to be leading society eventually, or we're going to sit and watch the demise and the decay of society because of these other kids. And so every adult, whether that's what's, what your house looks like or not, should be paying attention and should be willing to shame those who think that it's okay. When I watched that video that you played yesterday, it, it was really sad to see that these were grown men also at the party within the younger teenagers and then the very young kids that were participating in that, everybody should be shaming this man. And we have to start getting back to that because if not, who knows what's going to happen to just society in general. So some people uh, were critical or mocking me yesterday for playing a Dr. Umar Johnson clip where he went off on hip hop. And, and I'm not, sometimes I like Dr. Umar, sometimes I don't like Dr. Umar, but I don't care who says right. I don't have to, you know, there, there seems to be some shadiness to Dr. Umar and this school. I, I'm aware of that. But when I hear Dr. Umar who has, who's, influential with young people, influential with the crowd caught up in the culture. When I hear him criticize hip hop, it gives me hope. It, it, it makes me say, well, hold on, maybe we are waking up. And when I see poll numbers and stats that say people are tired of Joe Biden and tired of just being trapped by the left and by the Democrat party, it gives me hope that people are waking up. Again, I want to be crystal clear on this. I'm, I'm not the most passionate political person. But when I see people quitting the victim mentality and quitting the mentality of, oh, we can't do it without white liberals. And when I see uh, black men like Umar Johnson say, you know what? hey, what we're doing here with this rap thing is wrong and inappropriate. I'm inspired by that. And, and I guess I left a little bit of yesterday's show uh, like, hey, there is an awakening going on. And, and maybe I should be, maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, and maybe when they play the Michelle Obama card, it won't just snap us back into line and we forget everything. And we're very happy that we'll have some, some another symbolic president 
Barack Obama 2.0. How did that work out for us? Did we really benefit? If, if, if I'm the alphabet mafia, I want Michelle Obama as president because the first Barack Obama was very good to the alphabet mafia. I, I can't think of what he allegedly uh, did for black people or the rest of America, but he was very good to the alphabet mafia. Anyway, are, are you inspired, hopeful, seeing other signs that maybe we are snapping out of this trance? The Umar Johnson clip was on point. And so for anyone to complain, it's just silly. These are the same people that would say a broken clock is right twice a day. So if it's right twice a day, if it's stuck on 12, when it's 12, you're not going to argue that it's two because you know it's actually 12. And everything that he said in the clip that you played yesterday was so on point. And we need to just face the truth. And yes, I'm very hopeful for the remnant of men that are actually waking up. Because let me be honest, I don't think black women are going to wake up for a long time. And so I am thankful that these men are actually starting to see and they better. Because listen, when you're out here struggling to pay your bills, it's on you, black man, because when the woman can't afford to take care of the child, she gets a check. When you can't afford to take care of your child, you go to jail. So you best start waking up and you better start paying attention to everything that the government is trying to push and trying to do. You don't have time to actually be worried about whether your wife will agree. You need to tell her to close her legs, slide her to the side and stay focused because you don't have the luxury as a white man or a liberal white woman to keep your eyes closed. You just don't. If you really truly believe that there have been systems designed and put in place to hold you back, you better start waking up and you better start shaking your brother to make sure that he is waking up too because we need an army to be able to change things around. And I just don't think it's gonna come from black women. As much as they push the matriarchy, as much as they claim we're the most educated and we're the most this, they're also the dumbest. They're the ones voting 90% Democrat and look at what we have. There's no way you can call yourself intelligent run into the polls behind some of these leaders on the Democrat side. I don't I don't care what college you graduated from and what your grade point average was when you did. You are not that smart. And the black men, I believe, are waking up and they're going to show us who the real leaders are when it comes to black men and black women. Shamika, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You look awesome today. Great job, as always. Uh, guys, I wanna, we're gonna move on to Delano here next, but guys, I wanna tell you about our great new sponsor, Prize Picks. They've been with us all football season. Prize Picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills and you can, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom, she loves Prize Picks. She loves the NFL. She loves turning $10 into $250. She's got three really good picks, I think, this week. Uh, Dak Prescott playing against the Carolina Panthers. 
more than 269 and a half passing yards. Derrick Henry, more than 62 and a half rushing yards against Jacksonville. That's the only pick I'm kind of shaky on. Sam Howell, more than one and a half passing touchdowns against the New York Giants. The Cowboys just put dang near 50 on the Giants. Sam Howell, the Commanders, they got their back up against the wall. They'll put some points on the board. Uh, Price Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use my promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless. Prize Picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Professor Lama Squires next. It's my obligation on hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom. Jason Whitlock, previously on Fearless. Our history, our history yes. from beginning is about creating opportunities doing the work necessary. No one gave us freedom from, uh, from slavery. We went out and took that. But black, white people, believers, whatever, people died for that. It wasn't given, it was created. That, that's this mentality of, well, they won't give us this. That's not what America's about. America's about what you're willing to go take and create. No, 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 no. They, 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 why do we have Juneteenth? They didn't free them. And they had to bring the federal marshals down to Galveston, Texas to tell them that they were free. What are you saying? All right. Time for some Professor D. Delano Squires joining us from Washington, D.C. Delano, uh, Kim Kardashian is a man of the year. Uh, what should we make of that? <laughs> well, Jason, I think um, Hollywood, big journalism, big media is completely committed to subverting every norm that they think sort of holds our country together. Um, and again, if, if Bruce Jenner be, can become, can be woman of the year, then certainly Kim Kardashian can be man of the year. So. I'm not surprised by any of this at this point. At a certain point, this stops becoming transgressive and, and it starts to become the status quo uh, in a similar way that uh, a, a guy in the 1970s who had tattoos all over his body would be seen as an outlier and, and really, you know, a radical. But if you looked at the NBA circa 2010, the radicals were the guys who did not have sleeves uh, or visible tattoos. So I think. We're going to see this increasingly. Anything having to do with gender or sex or sexuality, um, the left and progressives and media are going to try to push the envelope um, in order to establish new norms. And so should we just, hey, if that's what people want to do, let's do it. Let them do it. No harm, no foul. Or, or is it someone like me is like, hey, there's ramifications for this. The serious ramifications. Our kids are out of pocket, out of order, not nearly as safe, more anxiety issues, more mental health issues, less happy. There's just ramifications for this, and, and I just can't laugh this off anymore, and, and I'm so tired 
of anything that is subversive being framed as, well, that's progress. And anybody that, you know, and that's someone that's not tolerant. You know, we, we've overdosed on tolerance, Delano. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I think sometimes people will say, oh, well, why are you fighting a culture war you've already lost? But just like in the movie 300, sometimes the, the battles that are worth fighting the most are the ones that you you feel you, you won't win um, because there's a lot at stake. Right. There, there's an entire there are entire generations who are coming um, after us who, if we do not fight today, um, they're going to be born captured. And, and to me, I think it's worth, you know, raising my voice in whatever small way that I can. And, and for other people to do the same because our norms are being changed right before our eyes. And, and if no one speaks up, then it will make the complete capture of all of our institutions um, come a lot faster. And, and I don't think that that's something we should lay down for. So Delano, yesterday I tried to unpack something rather big and enormous and that uh, a lot of this conversation we have going on about race is primarily a distraction to take us away from like, no, the real battle is a battle of the sexes. It's the patriarchy versus matriarchy. It's the people trying to impose a feminist worldview. And, and we're all distracted in, in this color-coded conversation and tug of war when the real tug of war with the high stakes is about men and authority and dominion and whose responsibility it is to actually lead. D did I go too far yesterday? D did my argument make sense? And I, I'm not fishing for compliments. I want you to nitpick me or, or polish my argument. What, but anyway, what do you think of yesterday's show and discussion? I, I think your top line is 100% correct that race, given our country's history, is the wedge that is used to open the door for all other types of, um, you know, sort of subversive behavior. And, and really what's happened is that um, over time, sort of black or Negro or African-American, whatever the term that's been used to describe, you know, people of discernible African descent in this country has gone from sort of a, a quasi-biological category, right? You can see a person and say, okay, that, he, he's black. And you can see a person of a similar hue and say, okay, he's not white, he's not black. He's, he's uh, you know, like Vijay Singh, the golfer, right? He was, he's darker than I was, but nobody would cons consider him a, a black person per se. But, but now in the age of political blackness, um, black and white are no longer racial constructs or social constructs, they are normative constructs. So anything that's white is considered by the left to be normative. And anything that's black is considered to be con uh, subversive. So all the things under the white category are um, maleness, heterosexuality, Christianity, thinness, um, uh, uh, cis, quote unquote, cis, being cisgender, and all the things under the black category are um, being female, trans, non-Christian, particularly Muslim, that, that, that they really like that, um, fat. So, so sometimes you'll hear 
sort of fat phobia linked to white supremacy. And what the left does is they say, okay, we want to advance this particular agenda. What's the quickest way to do it? Oh, we know, dip it in chocolate, right? So the trans thing, which is largely, if you look online, you know, you see, you know, uh, uh, liberal white women who, whose kids have, uh, you know, trans housing by proxy, and the mom says, oh, since he was four years old, he knew he, knew he was a girl. And, and the boy's just like, look, I just got long hair, lady, whatever. So you, you, you see this, like you see that online, but when the president of the United States talks about trans issues, he always references, oh, the, the unprecedented murders of, of black trans women. Because he understands that as long as you affix race to your agenda, including climate change and environmental justice, it can go a lot further in our country um, than if you allow it to be framed as something that only white people care about. And as soon as that door is wedged open, the left says, we're gonna put everything in there. So, so that's why I think black folks should be, to your point, aware of how we are being used and not just present day, but the, the, the struggle that black folk in this country have, have endured for 400 plus years is being compressed and, and now sort of repackaged by every other group. And to say, well, being black in 1964 is the same as being trans in 2023. Um, and I think more people need to wake up to that reality. Delano, you just made me think of something that I hadn't thought of or a new way of saying what I've been trying to say for years now. What they've done, and this is so satanic, and, 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 and we have to snap out of it, is they've used black to turn sin into virtue. Mm. They, they, it's, like, it's like Jesus didn't die on the cross for us. Black died on the cross for us. And if you just, like you said, you wrap anything in black, you turn sin into a virtue. And, and so we've turned wickedness into adultery or gluttony, uh, uh, sexual immorality. Well, if we just wrap it in blackness, it's now a virtue. What a, for those of us that are believers in particular, but even if you're a non-believer, to let a group or let a movement or a political ideology take your skin color as the tool to make sin righteous, I couldn't think of anything more insulting and more vicious and cruel than that. And that's when I look at the videos of, of, of the little kids yeah. singing all these pornographic, depraved rap songs. It's like, well, because it's black, when mm -hmm. Sexy Red says her coochie's pink and her booty hole's brown, well, that's not, that's not sin. That's virtue because it's black. It's the, the, the secular are using us to normalize sin. It's, it's just really offensive. So one thing I'll say is this, Jason, as a, as a to um, not clarification, but I will say this: everything that is not considered normative is not necessarily a sin. Because again, if, if you're sort of ranking these um, oppressed oppressor categories, right, r right after racism, 
used to be sexism. And obviously it's not a sin to be a woman, obviously. But what the left does is they say, okay, we think in oppressed, oppressor categories. And oppressed is the ultimate oppressor is the straight, white, heterosexual, um, Christian man, right? That's, that's That's what they think. Now, to be a, a, a heterosexual Christian woman, right? You're, you're sort of one peg down, but it, it doesn't obviously that doesn't make you a, a sinner per se. But as it relates to conduct, it certainly does in terms of the the left. Eventually, again, we're talking about you know transgenderism. That's that's the hot topic right now. But eventually, that something else is gonna come through that door. And we've t- we've talked about it in terms of pedophilia. But it'll it'll also be bestiality. Now they won't call it bestiality; they'll call it furry play, right? Or or um, sort of an animal sexual identity. And they'll say, "Look, when my when my dog curls up in my in my lap and he licks my hand, I take that as consent. How could you not support our relationship together?" And pe- and all and all the and I hate to say it this way, but all the dummies who co-signed all the stuff to this point. They have no standard by which to say yes to this and no to that. And that includes some Christian pastors, right? Uh, Ali Bestucky just did a whole uh, show on Andy Stanley, a very prominent pastor, a white pastor in, in Georgia, who's basically opening his church up and, and in as many words, declaring it to be LGBT affirming. But what he and, and his black counterparts don't understand is if you say, OK, well, we're open to different definitions of, of uh, marriage that are not necessarily biblical. Well, what what Bible are you going to stand on when somebody says, look, I just want to wear a dress in, you, in, your, um, in your church. Or I don't think marriage is between just two people. I think four men should be able to get married. And not only that, I think they have a legal right to adopt somebody's child. Well, if, 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 you, if you don't have any, any biblical grounds to stand on for the first perversion, how are you going to find a biblical ground to stand on for the fourth one? So yes, I, I think the left is very strategic about using our identity and our sort of sense of shared history and pain and sort of you know trauma and oppression, all the other words that they use, and using that against us, um, which which does go to show that that I think it was Audre Lorde who said this that the master's tools can't be used to destroy the master's house, but that's not true. That is not true at all. The left understands how to work those tools, and, and clearly we do not. And I think um, one of the, the groups that should be, should, uh, um, should be most indicted by this is what we sort of call the traditional black church. And obviously, you know, all the due caveats, I'm not talking about all black churches, or I'm not talking about all black preachers, but the types of churches that think that income inequality is man's greatest form of bondage are completely impotent and um, ill-prepared to deal with this onslaught. And in fact, many of them lend their credibility and sense of moral and spiritual legitimacy to this transitioning of blackness away from sort of, you know, what we used to think of it being to a political category. Um, and those men should be ashamed of themselves. What do you think of my argument that <clears throat> this, well, the way pop culture has been rigged and social media has been rigged and just culture at large has been rigged, 
that they front and centered the race thing and so that our number one priority is to be loyal to our race. Mm. And that clouds our ability to be loyal to God and what mm. he is saying. And so where, where I end up going with that is, is saying that if we're going to be loyal to God, particularly as men, we have to, our first priority has to be like, hey, God gave us some responsibilities, leadership, dominion over this beautiful place that he made. We have to follow him so that women will follow us. And, and, and but instead, our, we've been programmed to like, no, our first loyalty is to our skin color, not God. And, and that makes us not be able to see like, oh, just because that woman has the same skin color as me, doesn't mean she has the same agenda as me or even an agenda that works for me. And, and that's why I look at so many men that are on board with feminism and all this. I'm like, how does that work for you? How, mm. how does that help you uh, follow what God has commanded you to do? And, and, and I see people, and again, I saw it in myself when I was younger. I ran away from the responsibilities that God gave me, and I'm paying the price for them and paid the price for them. Mm -hmm. But but that this whole loyalty to skin color has made us abandon our leadership responsibilities. And, and that's why I think the to make it more political, this, this, this part of the discussion, that's why I think they're going to play the Michelle Obama card, because we've been programmed to think, well, she's black and it's Obama and my wife or girlfriend will be mad if I don't hop on board. And so we'll, and, and we'll screw men. If this leads to more matriarchy, this leads mm -hmm. to uh, more, less rights for men and more wild kids, who cares? At least I'm being loyal to my skin color. So, so, so Jason, if, if, if you would allow me. Um, Please. My, my, my response is really gonna be a preview of the next column I send you. <clears throat> and I started by saying, that the left has a black boy problem. And I'm not talking about juvenile crime or academic outcomes. I'm talking about uh, a black quote unquote boy problem because they see black men who refuse to be controlled and told what to do in the voting booth by their democratic functionaries and particularly by the women who support the party. They see these men as a problem that need to be eradicated because they see us as boys. They don't see us as men. And, and, and I actually reached back to that iconic photo from the Memphis sanitation strike in 1968, where everybody's seeing where it said these guys holding up these signs that says, I am a man. And I think any black man who wants to, who sees himself voting for the Democratic Party has to understand that they don't see you that way. They don't see you as a husband who cares for his wife or a father who cares for his children or a coach who's shaping uh, young uh, boys, particularly black boys into manhood or a small business owner right, who's concerned about, uh, you know, increasing tax burdens, they see you as a child, right? They, they see you as a vote. They see you as a corpse if, if unfortunately you get killed by a police officer. And they see you as a sperm donor for, re for reproduction. That's it. Now, black women, they say, they see, her, they see the black woman as a superwoman. 
She she saves democracy. And and boy, do they love to say that. They the particularly black women, they love to repeat that line. Oh, we save democracy. Right? They they see her as someone to to put on a on on a federal ju- uh, judgeship, on the federal bench. And Joe Biden will brag. I've put more black women uh, appointing them to be federal judges than any other administration. But the only time they talk about black men is when it comes time to vote or when a black man gets killed by, in, a, um, in, a, in a situation by the police. That's it. So, so yes, a vote for Democrats in 2023 is not about increasing wages. It's not about a, a better uh, you know, labor negotiation with, you know, between your union and, and big business. A vote for Democrats in 2023 is about a vote for the matriarchy. It's about a vote for radical feminism. And it's about a vote for people who cannot even define the, man, the words man and woman. Now, I'm not saying you got to vote Republican, but I just want you to know that when, when you pull the lever for that, you're not getting police reform or reparations or any of these other, uh, you, know, uh, um, uh, you know, prosperity packages. And, no, you are getting a lifetime of the women in your peer group treating you like a child. Just like when your mom was over you when you were 10 years old and she told you when to clean your room and what to do, you have these women who are younger than you saying, oh, you don't even know what your own interests are. How dare you not vote for me to be able to abort the child that we have together? How dare you you reject uh, gender queer in the classroom? You're a bad ally. So I, I hope guys wake up to understand what it is is being pushed on them. And I hope that they understand that when it comes to the left, black men are a single degree removed from the ultimate oppressor in society, which is the white man. If you are a black man with Christian or even quasi-traditional views, and you're heterosexual, and you're married, and you're raising a family, right? The only thing that separates you from the the white man is that you have a little bit more melanin in, in, in your skin. That's it, that's it. They, so they, they want the part of you that's black, but they want to discard the part of you that's male. And that's why they speak. And, and the fact that so many black men have gone along with this and inverted that natural order that you're talking about is one of the reasons we have so many problems in our community. Because, Jason, you, you've been around longer than me, but even I know this. Women do not respect weak men. Now, they may say they want a guy who goes along with what it is that they want. Right. But any man who spent any time out in the dating market understands this. If you give a woman everything she wants and you say yes to every demand, not even a request to every demand, eventually she will grow to to disrespect you. She will resent you because even with as with her mouth, she's saying, I want you to let me do what I want with her actions. She's going to say this guy's weak. He's a pushover. Right. So you, you, you will do all the things. You'll be tricking and giving her all the money and yes and rolling over and showing your belly. And she'll be cheating, with you, cheating on you with somebody who talks to her rough and, 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 and raises his hand when she get out of line. And she says, oh, wow, he really loves me. So, yes, the first rule of nature is that weakness is always met with aggression. So when you see the Tiffany Crosses of the world tell black men to get in line behind black women and they say it with, with their chest out. That's because they resent us and and they resent us because we've been weak. And that's the reason that you have, uh, uh, you know, you you get a Candace Owens, right, coming to the the door, sometimes fumbling with the rifle when the Klan shows up because the man has abdicated his position as the natural leader. 
And that's why we have so many problems in our community. And uh, these problems will not turn around until we get back to the natural order as prescribed by scripture. As long as black women see themselves as the leaders of the black community, we are going to continue to have every single problem that we have today, from falling marriage rates to, to rising out of wedlock birth rates, to all of the other maladies that you see in urban centers all across the country. And, and, and as long as that interracial relationship between radical black feminists and paternalistic white liberals stays in place, so is the black community. Uh, make sure we cut that entire five, six minutes, whatever it was, put that out all across social media. Delano, thank you so much. Thank uh, you, have a great rest of the week. We may circle back to you tomorrow. Uh, great job. We're going to get some Tennessee Harmony here in a minute. Before we get to Tennessee Harmony, uh, I want to talk to you guys about <laughs> the thing I love to talk about, preborn. You guys know I love preborn. We love preborn because preborn supports life in the womb. Preborn backs up our belief that life begins at conception, and they support that by providing expected mother's ultrasounds. When an expectant mother who's considering abortion, when she's provided an ultrasound, hears that baby's heartbeat, sees that baby in the wound, she's more than twice as likely to choose life. That's when preborn steps in and steps up, provides that woman the, what she needs to get through the pregnancy and through the first two years of that baby's life. That's why we support preborn. That's why we donate $28, $280. $2,800, $100, $100 million, whatever. We support preborn because preborn supports life in the womb. And that is important to our worldview. Two ways to give pound 250, say the keyword baby, pound 250, say the keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash fearless. That's the way I like to give preborn.com slash fearless. Uh, guys, you know what to do as fearless soldiers. We got to support preborn. It's important to our worldview. It's important to fixing what's wrong with this very uh, satanic, demonic culture. Uh, keep pounding that like button. Keep giving us those five-star reviews and rating on Apple. It's important. This show and what we're doing is important. We're going to have some Tennessee harmony with Anthony and Virgil. Next, we're going to continue this conversation about... Kim Kardashian and the Battle of the Sexes will get a tiny bit more biblical with Anthony and Virgil next. Marshall Falk, previously on Fearless. Brady allowed Bill to be Bill. Correct. And, and at some point in time, your quarterback gets to a level to where the coach then gives the quarterback the, the autonomy to kind of have access to the team. It's, it's your team, and, I, and I'm never going to demean you or do anything, all right? Belichick's in control of who comes in. He's, he's drafting replacements for Brady. Brady ain't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. He's not saying anything. At no point in time... I've never heard Brady speak bad or ill about, about Belichick. He's never, he, he always allowed Bill to be Bill. What Bill didn't do was, Bill didn't allow Tom to become who Tom became 
the quarterback helping him win these Super Bowls. Welcome back. Time for some Tennessee Harmony. Anthony and Virgil are here with me. I can't wait uh, to get a little bit more biblical with the conversation about my uh, uh, contention that we have a battle of the sexes going on. I I want Anthony and Virgil to walk me through and maybe give me some pushback. Or, again, just like I said to Delano, polish uh, the argument that I've offered over the past two days. Before we get started, we'd ask uh, Anthony to uh, let's pray and uh, hopefully get this conversation blessed by God. Father God, we're thankful for today and thankful for your blessings. Father, we pray that uh, as we discuss anything that we discuss on this show, that it is pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Help us to navigate, always looking to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, we got plenty of time here. We don't need to be in a rush. Uh, I want to hear from you guys because obviously I've been talking about this for the past two days. I think it's very important. And so I want to start here with, uh, you know, one of the things I said yesterday that I got some pushback on via email, via comments over social media. It was like, hey, Jason, you, you, you know, you're saying the garden was about man and woman. Uh, the, the garden was about man and God. And, you know, uh, anyway, so I want you all just to start there, my interpretation or my assertion that, hey, look, the garden tells us there's going to be a push and pull between man and woman about dominion and authority. And that's how I interpret it. But I want, you know, my experts here to help me out. (laughs) So um, the garden, I don't know if I would put it under man versus God or man versus woman, I would really look at it as God and Satan. Uh, Man and woman are in the mix of this. Um, And and as it relates to the tension that takes place between man and woman, um, you know, we're male and female. We're both made. We can equally do good. We can equally do bad. Um, Neither one is more predisposed to sin. We have tendencies, uh, but, but I can sin just as much as my wife can. What happens, though, men have a tendency towards passivity. OK, that's our tendency. We're called to lead, but we have a tendency to be passive. Women have a tendency towards usurping that authority. I, they, they want to take power. So how God manifests that and how he manages that he's given out the call because what he gave to Adam, the call, the mandate, the dominion that was before Eve even got on the scene, man, you got you, you are in control of handling this. But then later God makes woman as a companion to him, a help meet a strong help for him. That union uh, is one of the areas where scripture says uh, the two become one flesh. So they're going to function together, but he is the lead. So that's ground level one. What Satan does is he plays on both tendencies. Okay, what he did with Eve, uh, you know, Adam has given her the mandate. She knows what's going on. God has given out the law. 
But the text says she sees the tree that she's forbidden to eat from. They're forbidden to eat from. She sees it. It looks good for food. And she's listening to the voice other than God. OK, so here's her tendency to, hey, I'm going to eat. Now, Adam, he's in the mix of this. He can. Hey, you're not supposed to do that. But he's got Eve and he's got God. OK, I want to do what God says, but I, man, I want my wife, you know, so he becomes passive. He doesn't do anything. And that's where the the fall of man takes place. I'll give another scriptural reference uh, that can help define some of this. Paul, when he talks to Timothy, he describes the woman as one first deceived. But when he writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says that sin enters the world through Adam. So both are to blame here. It's not a, well, that woman, no, that you both did not do. You both did not fulfill what God asked you to do. So in the end, as I said at the beginning, this is about Satan and God. And when we get a picture of how Satan is operating, what he's trying to do. He's trying to destroy God's creation. Um, you'll hear about Job uh, and you get to see an insight. Satan is telling God about Job. Oh, I can make him curse you. Let me let me touch him and you'll see. That's what we see being played out in the world. I can make Jason do this. I can make him. I, I can show you that his faith isn't genuine. He's always doing that. But he plays on our own uh, tendencies. Virgil, add something to that, please. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that was great. I, I would I would layer it in this way and just kind of add to add to the conversation by saying that what we're what we're seeing in Genesis is a the revelation of God and and creation um, and created order is laid out for us. We we hear in the beginning it's it's God who creates man. Uh, who creates woman, and they are they are over. They've been given dominion over created order. So it's God, man, woman, created order. And, and what you have is Satan's desire to usurp the authority of God. Uh, he does so, or tries to do so, attempts to do so through the serpent. And so, as as he's effective in doing so, he he, he kind of looks at Eve, and that's the next. That's the easiest way of, for access for him. So what he does is is through uh, deception. He flips created order upside down. So here we have now the serpent who gives to Eve, who then or tells Eve what to do. She then gives the fruit to Adam, and all of them are trying to trying to run from God's order and, and design of things. And so with what happened in the garden, everything was flipped upside down. Again, God, man, woman, and then the serpent. It's flipped upside down. Now the serpent to the woman to the man who all of them are trying to ignore God's divine order. And so that's kind of the, the, the layout of what you have actually happening in there. As I read this, though, I, I understood, I think, the point that you were making about the, te- the the natural tension that is between man and woman. And we see that play out in Scripture. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, we have this God is dealing with the sin that has taken place. We have God addressing Eve, and he says this, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and pain you shall bring forth children. It says this, your desire, God is speaking to Eve, he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. Well, there are some translations where, as as I was young, I read that to mean that the woman was going to desire the man, and I thought, oh, this is great. So God made it so that women, you know, desire men, so they'll desire me. And so that's kind of what I thought, but the reality is, 
when you go and do the do the word search on that, that same word is also used in the very next chapter to explain what's going on between Cain and Abel, Abel and Cain. And so what you have there in Genesis chapter four, verse six and seven. The Lord is dealing with Cain, who's angry uh, because his his offering is not accepted. And the Lord Lord says this to him. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do well, sin is crouching. If you do not do well, rather, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you. So you have the same word there. It's desire. Sin's desire is contrary to you. The chapter before you had a woman's desire is contrary to a husband. Now in chapter four, you have sin's desire is contrary to you. Again, the word desire there is more than just passion. It's actually the desire to lord over or to overtake. So in its proper context, sin desires to overtake Cain and he must resist it. And in the proper context with the woman, you have her desire is contrary to her husband. She desires to overtake, to overthrow her husband. And and he and, and she needs to resist that. It's only through Christ that you actually see that righted. And we, we're, we live in a world where that it, that has run amok. Sin in that way, in the lives of women has run amok. The problem is you, we're not we're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed, Jason, to point that out. You're not allowed to say that feminism has destroyed women. You're not. We, we're not allowed to say things like that about women. Uh, and and really, the reality is, I think the more truth that gets told, uh, we're better able to understand what the needs are. Our need, both men and women, who have a need for Christ in Him crucified. So I think this is an important conversation for us to have if we understand, biblically speaking, created order has been flipped upside down. And that there is a division between man and woman. But to the point that that I think Anthony was trying to make, it's not more so in women than it is men. It, it, it presents itself differently in us both. And that's the thing that I think brings balance to the conversation. Man, love what both of you all have to say. I have one word that I want to nitpick, though. Sure. And that's passive. Mm -hmm. Are men really passive or are we exhibiting a, a desire to compromise or please women? We choose pleasing women rather than obeying God too often that we want peace in our home. She's such an awesome gift. And thank you, God. And you're right. This makes me feel so good. It's the help that I need. And in order to keep peace and and to make sure she's in a good mood and following me i have to compromise with her or hand over a tiny bit of authority and so uh, yeah passive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i just question but I, yeah. I'll clarify or yeah i mean several times in scripture there are men who are not wanting to take what god is calling them to take our tendency is to ah, we'll, we'll back off when we when we're supposed to take that stand, when we're supposed to be courageous, brave, go after it, do, etc. Um, and so what Adam does not do in this instance, he does not take the lead. Now, you give the you reasons give for passivity and, and that can be debated. But in the end. It's him being inactive. It's him not taking the lead he's supposed to take. 
And that's where his punishment is. The whole world became a lot rougher for him because he did not do what he was supposed to do. He's going to earn by the sweat of his brow. We're going to work very hard. And even on top of working very hard, there are thorns and thistles. Life got rough, even rougher for him because he does not take that stand where we see, you know, you show videos of, you know, kids who are um, just imitating, you know, hip hop culture, et cetera, et cetera. And in the end, you know, you, you made the comment, you know, this is the matriarchy run amok. That's an evidence not of just matriarchy. That's an evidence of lack of father, lack of godly parenting, lack of godly marriages, which goes back to Adam, where are you? That's how God responded to Adam. Where are you? This isn't about the because they're going to do. I, I agree. Yeah. But Anthony, the only thing I, when you're yeah. unpacking that, I want you to deal with because sure. people are sitting there going, well, hold on, man. Adam was right there yeah. playing the music for those kids. Sure. And said, the sure. men were there. Right. Right. And, and so women were probably said, don't blame us. That was men. No, no, no. You, you, <laughs> made, the, you made the point even in the episode. You said it's not just about following men. It's about men that aren't following God. Yes. Paul makes that point in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Women learn how to submit to men by watching how we submit to God. So these are guys, again, these are guys themselves that haven't submitted to God. These are guys that aren't leading. The way we combat all of that stuff goes back to godly man, godly woman, uniting in marriage. The, the everything that we're struggling with dealing with, all of that's taking place in a united marriage. We're giving birth to godly children, raising them up, to see what God is being emulated in our lives. That father represents what Jesus is supposed to represent in the household. That mother is representing what a following God's leadership, submitting to God's leadership looks like. Kids grow up seeing that. That becomes the norm, not what they see on TV. So again, I go back to the answer. When you, when you framed it in you know, gender war, I just want us to be cognizant of that's that can be a play of the enemy because, you know, as Paul would tell us, our weapons or our war rather is not against flesh and blood, which includes gender. Our, our war is against powers and principalities, spiritual realm stuff. That's the real war. And so I don't want, you know, you know, men and women, we aren't pointing out a symptom. Yeah. You're just like saying, no, the root of the problem. is It's the big. You got it. Big deal. So, yeah. Virgil, I want you to chime in, but I want you to chime in while addressing this part of something I said yesterday and something that Anthony just reminded me of. And so I argued yesterday and I certainly believe it, that the world I allowed the world to define happiness for me. And so uh, in, in letting the world define happiness for me, uh, a lot of sin made me happy. And, and so, and I rejected responsibility because I, I literally thought, I used to tell people, a lack of responsibility is the key to happiness. Mm. And, and, and then I had to realize like, yeah, Jason, you've defined what happiness is, you've accepted the world's definition of happiness, but the Bible has 
a definition and God has a definition mm -hmm. of what happiness really is. Mm -hmm. It's more fulfilling, more sustainable, will allow you to live longer, more prosperous life, produce fruit yeah. that's better and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so it's, I wanted to communicate that yesterday and reiterate it again today because it's something we as all men struggle with. We, we make ourselves our own God, come up with our own definitions of happiness, and then we start chasing that, And because happiness is based on expectation. You mm. set the wrong expectations for yourself, yeah. you're gonna be fooled into a level of happiness that's going to take you straight to hell. Yeah. Here on earth, <laughs> after yeah, life, yeah. the whole the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. And and it's important for that there's a definition in the Bible that God spells out that will actually take you to sustainable, long happiness and a fruitful life. Mm -hmm. So I, I Virgil, I want you to address that. And anything else you've heard me and Anthony or anything else you want to chime in? Yeah, I want, yeah, I want to go back to what, what you were talking about with the, the, the issue of, you know, the, the division of man and woman and, and whether or not the man wanted to please the woman that was with them and all of that. Please, I, yeah. I, I yeah. I immediately went back to the, the text of scripture that we were just out of Genesis chapter three, verse 17, as as. As God begins to address the man in his fallen state, verse 17 reads this way. And, and he said to Adam, God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I commanded you not to eat of, cursed is the ground. And so the whole, the whole point that God is making there is simply Man, in his natural proclivity, would much rather try to listen to the woman or to impress the woman rather than to listen to God. Our natural proclivity is is, is we've got something beautiful in front of us. We're going to pay attention to that rather than listening to the voice of God. Those men who were doing whatever they were doing with those, you know, the videos that you showed they were they were following the lead of, of the women that were there and were caught up in all of the nonsense that was a part of it. Their sin is no 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 less or greater than the woman's because they have a they have a specific responsibility. The men do. Those women have a specific responsibility to the children that they're raising. They will both give an account to God for that, right? But the reality is our motivations for getting in that place may be different. The manner in which and the and the the weaknesses in our own lives that drive us to the place where we are sinning may be may come from different places and spaces. But again, we're no less culpable. We're no less accountable to God for those things. Um, you, you, you were talking about the, the issue of how you thought happiness was, uh, you know, was, was being being irresponsible, being sinful. And, and I think that's that's primarily the thought of most fallen people. Um, that's why we see everything that we see currently in our in our culture. I had to pull up. I immediately pulled up a verse that, that I've quoted on on the show before because it is a reminder as we open up the book of Psalm. And, uh, and, and, yes. and look at the very first chapter, right? God is instructing us, knowing our, knowing our normal proclivity for chaos and craziness and sinfulness and hedonistic ways and ways that please our flesh. He explains in the very first chapter uh, of the book of Psalm, he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is is in the law of the Lord and on it, he meditates day and night. 
God knows that our natural proclivity is going to be for evil. And so he tells us and he instructs us in the book what we must do to walk in a way that's joy filled. He then goes on in, in verse five. He says that the, that the wicked, the wicked, or verse four, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff they're, that drives that, that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We have clear instruction from the word of God. That if we indulge our sinful proclivities, our sinful nature, it will lead to a path of destruction. Jason, for the longest time, as I as I raised my kids in my home, I constantly told them, listen, I, I'm going to tell you, your dad and mom, your mom and dad are going to do everything we can to train you up in what's right. And we're going to do it as imperfectly as we are. We're going to do it to the best of our ability, according to the word of God. At the end of the day, you have a choice to make. But you need to know this. Every single time you choose that which is that goes against God, you will do so in two ways. One, you'll do so knowing right from wrong because your parents told you. And you'll do so knowing that the path that you're on will lead you to destruction. Though it may feel good, though it may may seem fine for a time, it ultimately leads to your destruction. So I have a responsibility as your father who loves you to guide you, to nurture you in the way of righteousness and the way of the truth. And, and, and again, that's the message that those fathers in the video should have been giving to the children. And they definitely should have chosen better women that, that would help them to navigate that in a way that's God honoring. All of that comes together. All of that works together. Virgil, you and I'm not fishing. I'm fishing for understanding, not any praise. You sent me a text yesterday about yesterday's show and you reference Paul and uh, the book of Romans and the letter. And so I, I want you to expound on your interpretation. I'm clear. I'm not fishing. I'm, I'm looking for correction and polishing and uh, understanding, understanding of what you were trying to convey to me, what you took from yesterday's show. Yeah, as, as, as I watched the show and, and watched you unpack it, I, I, you know, you were talking about just the, the chaos and the craziness of, of culture, everything from the race war that's that's taken place and the subtleties uh, that, that are involved in it, as well as uh, the, the, the overt, uh, uh, you know, in your face kind of gender kind of separation that's taking place uh, and all of what's happening in culture. And it immediately reminded me, I, my first thought was there's nothing. Scripture says that there's nothing new under heaven, that all of this just goes around and around and around. So this is not brand new and God is not shocked or surprised or caught off guard. We may be because we live in time. He is not. And so as a result, I immediately thought of, of the fact that, uh, you know, Romans uh, chapter one talks about the fact that that we a that, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Verse 18 says th that what happens to people is they suppress the truth of God that they know in unrighteousness. And so all that's taking place right now is people a know that God exists and they don't want to acknowledge him. So they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That chapter goes on to explain what happens to a call in a society that does that. The first thing that they do is, is they begin to worship created order, uh, and then they begin to worship themselves. And then it goes even further to say that they absolutely lose their ever-loving mind. I, I, that, that, that's Virgil's translation of that text. And what that's exactly what we're seeing when we can't even determine what a man is and what a woman is. The, the end of the chapter goes on to explain, if you look at, at you know, the, the very end of that, of chapter one, 
you'll begin to see all of these things play out that look very much like the world that you were unpacking for us yesterday. Uh, th- that we're, we're, we've lost our ever-loving minds. We're doing everything contrary to God. Uh, and as a result, that's a path that leads to destruction. And you, you did it even in, in, in the conversation yesterday. It was a call back to repentance, a call back to a biblical worldview, a call back to uh, a, a repentance and pe- placing faith in Jesus Christ. That's what you, you said. That's what this show is all about. That's what we're doing here. That's what we want to do, that we want to use the, whether it's sports or, you know, the, the political issues of the day, we want to do all that. And, and then again, with, with the with the joy that, that, that uh, Anthony and I get an opportunity to unpack, which is, is the biblical worldview, the very crux of it, uh, is, is to call people back to repentance and faith in Christ uh, so that they can, that they can experience the joys that we talked about in Psalm chapter one. And so I got a text message from a friend that watches the show and, and literally what my goal is, is, you know, not to be perfect because I just don't know enough to be perfect, but I'm just, it's why I'm so appreciative of you guys and everybody that comes on the show. I'm trying to spark conversations inside people's homes. And, and I'm trying to be, to be honest with you, I'm trying to be the bad guy so that uh, it gives other men the chance to be a lot better than me inside their home. And, and so it's like, Whitlock's the bad guy and baby, you know, he, you know, he says stupid things, but let me tell you where, you know, he is a little bit right here and there. And so I got a text from a friend of mine that said that, that uh, when he got home, and his wife is a high-end executive. When he got home, his wife was like, did you listen to Jason's show? Uh, this is what he talked about, blah, 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 blah. And he said, and this is like one of the greatest texts I've ever received. He said that like, man, you made it easier on me. <laughs> you put me in a position to have a conversation with my wife and she was open to it. And, and it, it literally, that is what the show is about and that's why you know I'll go out and say things that maybe sound a little bit crazy and then on Wednesdays I bring Anthony and Virgil in to polish up or correct what I'm saying so that if I have created some tension in your home or given you an opportunity to discuss uncomfortable topics then we can go to people that are more experts and give you a biblical interpretation of you know and, and correct some of the things I said, but I, I really, sometimes I, I, I fall into cynicism and, and I don't know if despair is the right word, like, man, this thing is so crazy, we can never fix it. And then sometimes we have shows and things that are going on, and when I see, and I, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Umar, but when yeah. I see someone like Dr. Umar, mm-hmm. who's relevant in the so-called culture, being willing to speak out boldly about rap culture, it, it inspires me and makes me say, man, we are snapping out of it. We, we are, we're falling out of the haze of that, if, oh, if they just labeled it black and black culture, it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm seeing signs of progress, perhaps, oh. Oh. <laughs> that make me feel, I, I, I think we're doing a decent job. When you listen to what Virgil was saying about Romans chapter one, you know, it, it would take a person to have to look at the entire book because yeah, Paul does lay out the bad part of the story in chapter one, kind of like what you, 
He lays out, this is what has happened. This is what's going on. And here's the end of the story. Like he shows you that. But then he helps to walk us through the whole narrative of repentance, which is where I I think that's where you're really trying to go with this. You're trying to call us back to we got to change this ship because it's not being beneficial. The problem of that, though, first Peter talks about this. Peter says in the last days, scoffers will come. That's people that make fun of God's way. And the reason why they come is because God's word speaks against their own desires. So when you tell somebody, no, you can't have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. I don't want to fool with that. I want to do what I want to do. And so there's a natural rejection that's going to happen. The only thing that I tend to push back on the other side of that, though, is we as Christians have to live this word boldly. We have to be examples because that will show them here's the path you're on and here's the path that God has directed us to. And I'm not perfect and I'm not the standard, but man, this is really turning out the way that God said that it would turn out. When Virgil references uh, the, the first Psalm, as David writes down, David says he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll be solid, firm, not moving, have everything that he needs. That's what God's word gives us. But then it says his leaf won't wither and whatever he does will prosper. God will make it evident in your life. It may not always turn out in the material things, but it will be evident that living godly is prosperous. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So if we follow that path, Christians Call us back to repentance. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Raise up good, godly children, and we become a counter to what the culture's serving up. Virgil, you got a final thought, or I want to move on to one other topic I want to squeeze in. Yeah, the only, my, my, only, my only admonition and encouragement, Jason, it would be this, and, and I, I thought Anthony teed that last part up incredibly well. I, I would simply say, um, do not grow weary in well-doing. Right. Scripture is clear, always says that because it's real easy to go based upon live life based upon what you see in culture. Right. We we as believers are to live by faith, not by sight. And so while the the natural tendency is to uh, embrace the ebbs and flows, when you see something good, you're excited. When you see something bad, you're disappointed or or depressed. Uh, We have got to stand firm on the foundation of the word of God and on, on the truth represented by Christ himself and not be uh, moved in any one direction to to the point that Anthony was making based upon the text. We need to be that tree planted firmly uh, and and not go, you know, not be moved, not not go with the ebbs and flows and not 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 believe that when we see something good, that that's that that we need to keep doing that. Even when we see things going in a very poor direction, we still need to maintain the stand and the standard that is God's. Amen. So. I want to move on finally, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, but Megan Rapinoe, the soccer player, her soccer career ended. uh, She snapped her Achilles in her final soccer match. And, and, you know, this is a celebrated athlete that the world loves. And, and I really thought her comments after snapping her Achilles speaks to where athletes are today and where many people are today if something bad happens to them 
they interpret as well. There's no God. And, and she literally said this. And I, I wanted to get you all. We'll play the uh, clip. And I wanted to get you all's reaction to Megan Rapino blaming a lack of God for her injury. And this is a long one, although I'm, I'm going to get the Aaron Rodgers treatment, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be calling him or whoever did his surgery because we need to speed this up. But yeah, I thought about it a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm not a religious person or anything. And if there was a God, like this is proof that there isn't because it's <laughs> up. Um, so, yeah, it just <laughs> it's just <laughs> up because like six minutes in fucking eat my Achilles. I mean. Mm. Uh, so that's Megan Rapino, uh, and I think she's reflective of where you know this culture has gone so secular. And again, I've, I've lived longer than everybody I'm talking to. People just didn't used to talk that way in public. To be that, they may be atheists, but just hey, I'm, I don't believe in God. Let me mock God. Mm -hmm. Let me. Mm -hmm. th 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 it's yeah. really what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scoff she's scoffing at yeah. God. Yeah. I think it's interesting that she uses an inconvenience, uh, an injury, as an evidence against God. But she doesn't use the length of her career and the millions that she's made as an evidence for God, which, again, uh, she's already said that she's not you know, religious, doesn't even have a God perspective as well. And so I would say, don't even bring his name up in your injury if that's the case. So disappointing. Virgil. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the mindset that atheists don't really exist. So I know atheists make the claim that God doesn't exist. I, I, I stand by my claim that atheists don't truly exist. I, I don't believe in snow, you know, and snow covered fairies. But at the point that my family gets ill or gets injured, the thought that comes in my mind is not, you know what, this is proof that, that, that snow-covered fairies don't exist. That is not the thought that enters my mind. What she did was a cry out to the God that she know exists. That's what was happening. Ooh. That's what she witnessed. That's what you saw taking place. The, the reality is that the sovereign God of the universe is not required to give Megan Rapino or anyone else, any other person, additional proof of his existence. He's already provided that to them. He's clear. It's clear whether it's scripture, uh, whether it's created order, uh, whether it's the stars in the sky, whether it's the, the fact that Christ incarnated and lived a perfect life and died a death that he didn't deserve on a Roman cross. All of those are sufficient evidences for God's existence. Furthermore, Megan Rapino, apart from repentance and placing faith in that God that she claims doesn't exist, will indeed meet him. And it won't be good for her. Apart from repentance and faith in Christ, she will live a life separated from that God that she believes that she claims does not exist in a place called hell that she probably does not believe that exists. And so it'd be in her best interest to get healed up, to consider God, to repent of her sin, to watch this show, place her full faith in Christ and inherit eternal life. That would be her best bet. Gentlemen uh, that work with me, uh, make sure we cut that clip of Virgil and put it out over social media. Virgil, I want to ask you, I want you to clarify your statement, though, and we won't include that in the clip that goes out, but I, I just want you to elaborate. I find it very fascinating you say you don't believe atheists exist. Right. And, and I find it fascinating because Satanists 
know there is a God. They believe in God. And that's where I think a lot of people are. They call themselves atheists, but they're really Satanists. And they know that God exists. And, and, and the Satanists actually laugh at the idiots who say there is no God. <laughs> and, and this is just factual. But it, I wanted you to elaborate on why you think it's, it's like a fallacy that there, there really are no atheists. Well, the Bible is clear that, that that's true. God says that he's revealed himself. His wrath, we, we talked about it earlier, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that the wrath of mm -hmm. God's revealed mm -hmm. against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth of God that they know, they know God exists, in unrighteousness. For what can be known about God, Scripture says, is plain to them. I believe the Bible, and I don't believe those who claim to be atheists. The Bible is clear, and it says that, that God has revealed himself in such a way that they will be accountable to the God they know for all of their sins against that God. And so all of them will face a day of judgment where they will come into, into re, uh, real contact with that God and uh, it won't be good, again, apart from repentance and faith in Christ. The, uh, sim simply stated, Jason, even just a clarity, all the scripture is there, simply stated this way, Jason, they know God exists, they've suppressed him. And and they and 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 they're going to account for that suppression. They absolutely know that. So I, I don't, you know, I truly believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says, and there's no equivocation. I believe the Bible. I believe the God of the Bible more than I believe fallen sinful individuals like Megan Rapone and any other individual claiming not to believe in God's existence. I don't think I can top that. <laughs> Put a so, pin in it. Yeah, I think. Uh, We'll play some harmony, uh, and while we're playing harmony, don't forget, guys, we taped two shows today. So if you've watched this show and you want to go hear us talk about sports and Deshaun Watson, season-ending injury, we taped an earlier show. Access that as well. Uh, cue up harmony, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Tell us, cause together we're so.